Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Thank you, Jordan, for just giving us a glimpse of the beauty of Christ. It's just a glimpse. It was a beautiful glimpse. I just want to pause and help us savor a lyric from that song. When the soul felt his worth. Man, man, that my soul would feel the worth of Jesus. Right? Let's just, just deep breath, long exhale. Lord, let our souls know and experience your worth. You don't have to be a Christian very long to to know the ebb and flow of our own spiritual posture, right? You don't have to to live very long to to know kind of the, the ups and downs of spiritual life. And the cry of our hearts should be that my soul, oh God, would know your worth, would feel your worth. I don't think there's any question of his worth because Christ is everything. For the Bible says that all things were made by him and through him all things sustain. That all things are from him, through him, and back to him. For it's all caught up and wrapped up in the living word who was before time and who will be forevermore and who was born as a baby to enter our world. Oh, it's precious. It's good. So Merry Christmas, everyone. May your soul know his worth. May your soul know his worth. And I now, I invite you by special invitation to welcome Christ afresh in your heart this morning. I invite you, it's for everybody. Some of you have raised me, mentored me, and taught me everything I know. I invite you to welcome Christ to your heart afresh this morning. Some of you are just starting off, and everything, the only thing you ever know about Jesus is what I've preached to you. Ha! I invite you to welcome Christ afresh into your heart. No one gets to run ahead. No one gets left behind. But we gather together today around the manger to welcome Christ and to bow before him. 
I'm going to pray. Let's pray. And then I'm going to bring us to Luke chapter 2, precious passage of Scripture. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the way you love us, the way you live among us. For surely we're not absent from your presence. Lord, even the psalmist knew, where could I go to escape your presence, he said. Shall I go up to the heavenlies or down to the depths? Even there you'll find us. Even then you are with us. And God, for us, some of us are up on the mountaintop in the heavenlies, and some are down in the depths. But still there you are. You're with us. Even in the shadow of the valley, it feels like death. You're with us. God, I pray that today, Lord, you would capture our hearts in a beautiful, profound way, that the familiar story, God, would be extraordinary to us again, and that, Lord, we might see and learn from your scriptures what it really means to know you, to follow you, to love you all the days of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn in your Bibles, please, or look at the projector ahead of you to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 21. Luke 2, <clears throat> 21, it says this, on the eighth day, the eighth day after the birth of Jesus, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named, what? Jesus. The name that the angel had given him before he was even conceived. That God would name us before we were ever conceived in the flesh. Speak something of not only the providential promise of our Savior Jesus and his birth, but about the way God would view and see us. Before our breath was drawn, God knew our name, and he loves us. He loved us. Verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with that which is said in the law of the Lord. Here's the required sacrifice, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation or the fulfillment or the restoration for, the, for God's promises to protect, care for, and save and deliver Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do what was a custom 
that the law required, Simeon took him into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Take me, Lord, take me. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause great falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew, and he became strong. And he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This morning, I want to talk about fulfilled. It's the the theme, name of our, our, our series on Luke, Fulfilled. And so today's message is called Fulfilled, period, Fulfilled, period, Fulfilled, period. And I want us to see fulfillment. I mean, just the idea of fulfillment, it's like when you order your gifts on Amazon, right? It goes to a fulfillment center, right? Don't make me get technical on you now. You press the just, you know, one click, and then suddenly it triggers something, and there's a team of people in a warehouse that get your order and fulfill it. They grab it, they box it, they put it on a truck, and it shows up in your house 30 minutes later. (laughs) But that's what fulfillment is. Fulfillment is that which has been promised, they took your money, will be delivered. It's that simple. And as we look at the Christmas story and the whole gospel of Luke and the life of Jesus, we're seeing that God had made a promise and in the appearing of Christ, he delivered. It's important for us to begin to see that. Not just to acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah and a Savior, that Jesus was God incarnate, that he, God took on flesh, lowered himself, taking the very nature of a baby, a human baby. There was a lowering in that. 
God set aside some of his divine attributes. And he came and he lived among us. That's the fulfillment of a promise. That God would not leave us to our sins, but would save us and deliver us. Show us a new way. But it goes to even more our understanding of God. And it speaks to the very nature of our relationship with God. Because if we believe that God is a God who keeps his promises, that God fulfills that which he said would be done, it means that we can trust him in all things. I know in church and in the Bible, when people talk about, you just need to have faith, you need to trust God. But if we're honest with ourselves, we might ask ourselves, why should I trust him? Is God worthy of my trust? And if we look at things just circumstantially or maybe in the narrow view of just our own perspectives and our own lives, we might say, God has let me down. Things have happened in my life that I prayed wouldn't happen in my life and still did happen in my life. So can I really trust God? The writers of Luke's gospel, Luke, the writer here, he's trying to help us know that, yes, we can trust God because he has fulfilled what he promised. And while it's true that some of the things that we don't want to happen, happen. And some things that we do want to happen, that we hope for, don't happen in life. That is the nature of our world and our existence. But when it comes to the things of God, the birth of Jesus demonstrates and underscores that yes, we can trust him. He has not left you to your own devices, but he has come among us. So we need to look at fulfilled, and I'm going to show us three ways here that we see fulfillment, because I want you as a person, if young or old, new to, new to Christianity, or not yet a Christian, or you've been a Christian many years, I want you to know for certain that you can trust God that your faith is well-placed, and that this trust in God should shape and direct your life all the days that you live. The first thing is just verse 21, and it simply says this, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. It's an important sentence because it's saying that God announced the coming of Jesus by the angel, which was not that much longer before Jesus was conceived. But really, the coming of Christ was announced decades and centuries before Mary was conceived. First of all, you need to know the name It's a form of the word named Joshua, which basically means the Lord saves. So his name was a description of the promise fulfilled. Not just the Lord saves, but Yahweh saves. Yahweh was the personal name of God. It is the personal name that when, when Moses was there at the burning bush and he says, who shall I say is sending me? The Lord revealed his name, which revealed his character and his quality. And he says, I am who I am, or I will never be other than I am. 
I am the faithful God. That what I say will happen will indeed happen. Moses needed reassuring. God, what do you like? And God said, I am the one who will always be there and keep his promise. And when Jesus came and God incarnate to save us all, his name was Yahweh saves. There's a great, um, well, Matthew 1 talks about the same story here. It says that the angel says, he will, you will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I just want to remind you today, as we even approach here Christmas week, Jesus is still saving people from their sins. (laughs) Yeah. There are people in your life that you think are beyond it, or you can't figure out how they might ever come to the Lord. Be assured, Jesus is still saving people from their sins. If you say to yourself, that person can never come to the Lord, he has too many sins. The answer you should be giving yourself is, wait a second, because he has so many sins, that's what God does. He forgives people. And you may want to check your heart and say, is it that I have a hard time forgiving people of their sins? So I think God does. But God does not. He still saves people from their sins. And I'll add this for fun. God is still saving you from your sins. Entrenched, debilitating, shame-inducing sins. God's people need a Savior as much as the world needs a Savior. And one of the ways we know that God is faithful and he has fulfilled and we can trust him is that he has, he continues to, and he will always Forgive people. The prophet spoke of this salvation centuries before Jesus was born. And it simply says this, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. And the government, the responsibility for the world will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or his peace. And on the throne of David and over this kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish. God was faithful as he fulfilled the bringing of salvation to us. The second thing I want us to see is in the next verses, and it hits super close to home. I'll read the verses again to you. Verse 22, it says this. Then the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written, every firstborn male must be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This account, these four verses, two verses, three verses, three verses, it it demonstrates 
that Jesus' family were honorable people. They were faithful people. They were pious. They sought to obey God's word, even in the simplest of ways. It's really important to see this because, I mean, even by the the two pigeons or the, the doves, it demonstrates that Mary and Joseph were poor. They didn't have a lot. They weren't people of means. Because if they were, they would have brought a lamb or a bigger animal. But they, young Mary and Joseph, on this journey through life, which was not what they expected, was filled with many surprises, daunting, overwhelming experiences. I mean, you had to believe they were freaking out at times, right? Just completely, just like, what is going on? God help us. And they were poor. But in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their struggles, in the midst of public curiosity slash shame, in the midst of their financial challenges, in the midst of all of these things, they were faithful. They were pious. They obeyed the Lord in every way they knew how. The scripture doesn't pretend that they were perfect in these things. It just means that their hearts were pure and they desired to do the things that God wanted them to do. It may seem small, but here in the scriptures, Luke highlights it as a big deal. That God is mindful of and gives his favor to everyday, poor, regular sometimes confused people journeying through life, seeking to do their best to honor him. And let me just ratchet that up a little bit. Because in Luke's world, status was always gauged by money and power and land and title and all the things that makes someone great in the world. In Luke's world, poor, humble, faithful people were not favored, were not blessed, were not highlighted. They were ignored and marginalized and forgotten. I mean, Luke contrasts it. In this very chapter, he talks about a king called Herod and Caesar Augustus. And of all the people that God could show up in their life in profound and incredible ways to show his favor and his love and his faithfulness, that God is fulfilling his promises to people, he does that in the lives of ordinary, poor, lower-income people who by the world would be marginalized and forgotten, but God says, no, I'm going to show up right on your lap. This is where I am going to pivot, to hinge the whole history of existence of the world. And I'm not going to do it with kings and Caesars and palaces and wealth. I'm going to do it in the family life of people that can only afford a couple pigeons. But their heart is good. And they desire to be faithful, to obey the word of the Lord. 
as best they can. And God says, I see you. I get what you're doing. And I'm excited about it. And I'm going to show up. I'm going to manifest my presence. I'm going to send you angels. We're going to get some choruses going. Shepherds are going to show up. Wise men for the east. You're going to get some gold. You're going to get some frankincense. You're going to get some myrrh. God loves to elevate those who the world would marginalize. And so it's a, it's a profound thing to know that God's, he's conscious of us, right? And you might feel sometimes quite helpless. You might feel like, oh, if I only had more money, do this. Oh, if I only had more influence or status or whatever. No. 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 That's not what the Christmas story is. That's not what the gospel story is. God is not looking for the powerful and the influential. God will save them too. Praise God. And we'll all play our parts. But he's looking for faithful people who honor him in every way they know how. Do you know why we still, after all these years, come make a big deal out of dedicating our babies? Because it's one of the clear and wonderful demonstrations we have in Scripture of a family saying, God, we seek and we desire to be faithful to your word and that our our lives and our children and our home would be consecrated to you. We cut out the part about killing birds and pigeons. But the principle of people coming and devoting themselves to God is profound. And we see that in the faithful lives of Mary and Joseph. Do not wish that you were other. Let me say that again. Do not wish that you were other, that you had more this, or that you were more that. Seek faithfulness. Seek to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And God will elevate you. God will provide for you. You'll see God's favor in your life. Man, people start to come knocking on your door. Who are you three old guys? Yeah, we've come. Seeking the presence of God. Well, come on in and leave your camels in the garage. Seek faithfulness. I want to end with these two people, Anna and Simeon. I was going to name this this message um, old, but in a good way. But I didn't think that would be a good message title. But here you have these two old people. Uh, Luke's not disrespectful in it. He's quite honoring of them. But he makes a point of saying that both these two people, Simeon and Anna, are old. And that they've been waiting and serving the Lord for a long time. I want you to see how in Anna and Simeon, we see God, his faithful voice being spoken. When we talk about fulfillment, 
We need to hear God's faithful voice in our lives. Let me just read it to you real quick again. It says that there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. That's his introduction. He lives right, and he's dedicated to God. Righteous, devout. I think some of us in our 50s, maybe you in your 30s, should aspire to that, by the way. Describe you. Faithful and devout. Righteous and devout, it says. He was waiting for the consolation or the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. What about that? Old people that don't shrivel up, they stay fully moisturized in the Holy Spirit. Because you can get old and crusty, yeah? I've never seen it in this church, or God forbid in my family, but you can get old and crusty. You can be young and crusty as well. Crusty is not reserved for the aged. Wrinkles are, but not crustiness. But here's this old guy fully moisturized in the Holy Spirit. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That this man, he lived with such purpose and such conviction that his life was still relevant. That God would time the Messiah according to his own days and death. Simeon was righteous, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was clear that his life would still make a mark in the salvation story of his and many generations going forward. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when his parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon grabbed him, took him in his arms, and he began praising God. Holy Spirit didn't just come at Pentecost. The presence of God and the moving of God has been throughout all the scriptures. The beauty of Pentecost was that it wasn't rare anymore. It wasn't the exception that somehow people like Simeon or some, you know, this prophet or that prophet would be filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesy the heart of God, and proclaim God's goodness. The beauty of Pentecost was that now all people, young and old, male and female, doesn't matter what language you speak, what color you are, that God poured out the presence and the power of heaven on the people of earth. Come on. Tell me that's not amazing. Wouldn't you like some of that? Yeah? That your life was just filled with the presence and the power of heaven, even as you lived in these dark days of earth. And we get a glimpse of what that's like in Simeon. Simeon was, he was an early walker in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was on him. And the Spirit of God brought to him conviction and life purpose. He's like, I know because the Spirit of God has told me that my life will not end until God fulfills his purposes. And you know what? God was hanging on to Simeon because God had a role to play for Simeon in the life of that young family. 
Let me tell you how faithful God is, how God fulfills his promises. Mary and Joseph are doing what they're, they're supposed to do, but they don't know everything. All they know is the next step. They're like, okay, the angel said the baby was coming. Okay, angel said to Mary, okay, Mary, 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 okay. Angel said, you know, do this, do that, okay. Like God's given them one step at a time. Even in this divine, radical incarnation, God's still not spelling the whole plan out to Mary and Joseph. But suddenly, so they're like, okay, he's eight days. Let's go bring him to the temple. That's what we got to do because we love God. We're obeying his word. And they show up there, and there's this old guy who's not crusty. He's moist. He's, he's, he's saturated in the Holy Spirit. He's, he's got soft hands in God. And he comes, and he swipes the prophesy this is the one you promised would come now I can die in peace because I know that you've kept your promise to me Simeon to the world but in it God also keeps his promise to Mary and Joseph because the angel promised them God's favor and sometimes God's favor looks like an encouraging word when you need it. You don't think Mary and Joseph were bringing little baby Jesus up and they're like, okay, we're going to do it, but what's next? We don't know what's next. And here comes Simeon, fully moisturized by the Holy Spirit. And he just prophesies that this child will be a light to the Gentiles, to the nations of the world. That this child is the fulfillment of God's promise, not just to Israel. He's the glory of Israel, but he's a light to the nations. Why do you think we're going to Madrid? Because Simeon prophesied that Jesus would be a light to the nations. And we carry that same prophetic unction as a church, as a people. God is faithful to us by bringing the prophetic voice that we need in our lives when we need it. It says the Holy Spirit told him to be at the right place at the right time. I want to encourage you, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, refresh yourself in these things. Operate in your giftings. Listen to the voice of God so that somehow you might be at the right place at the right time. Don't go stealing babies like Simeon did. That's really not cool. Different culture, different time. You can't be grabbing babies in the supermarket. But you can bring the word of the Lord when it's needed and be the fulfillment of God in their life. Then I want you to hear another thing that Simeon said. He said to Mary... That God is aware that a sword will pierce your soul. What a strange thing for such a happy moment, you know? What a strange thing to say on this happy moment when they're dedicating Jesus. He prophesies all these great things. He will be great 
rising and falling. He will, be the, he will be the standard by which people push against and they will fall over. But Mary, your heart is going to get broken. Mary, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, your hearts are going to get broken. And Simeon reminds us that God knows that. He's aware of that. And you know what? He does that. In, in Jesus' case, it was God's design that the baby would be one day crucified and that Mary's heart would be broken. But the faithful, prophetic voice of God in those times is what carries us through. God wasn't going to say, Mary, I'm going to spare you that, and Jesus is going to live to a ripe old age, and you're going to have many grandkids. He didn't say that. He said, your soul will be pierced with a sword. It's going to be hard. The mission you're on, the life that you're going to live, is going to be devastating at times. But I want you to know this, and this is the prophetic voice of us that God is faithful in those times as well. He will not leave us in those times, but he will carry us in them. We're going to end and we're going to pray. We're going to sing, Come All You Faithful, just the voices. But as we sing, I want you to remember these three things. Number one, God is faithful He has fulfilled his promise to send salvation and to forgive sins. As you sing this song and you know there's sins in your life, pray as you sing, Lord, forgive me of my sins. If you don't have salvation, if you're not sure of your salvation, if you don't know that God has taken you into his family and that you are washed clean by Jesus, you need to know that today and you are invited to come and get born again and be saved. And lastly, if you're in a spot and you just need to hear the voice of God, God is faithful. He will speak to you. If you've been given the Holy Spirit and you have, and you need to walk in that with boldness, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to refresh yourself in your prophetic gift and begin to speak the voice of God once again, to the people around you. Stand together and let's sing, O come, be faithful.